peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What is good? So, as you can see, for those of you who are watching my podcast, I am in a different backdrop, traveling again with work. You know how that is. For those of you who listen, my audio probably sounds different. I try to get my audio sounding as close to my home studio setup as possible. Now, granted, There's only so much you can do with a portable setup. Now, of course, if I had unlimited cash, I could do some amazing things with a portable setup. But I have what I have. I make do with it. Anyway, we're getting to the book of Exodus, chapter 25. And I've actually been excited in the book of Exodus, especially getting deeper into the book more than I expected to be. When I started, it it seemed like it was flowing a lot quicker than I expected. Like I I wasn't slowing down as much as I wanted to, but I'm kind of glad it worked out that way because I didn't spend too much time focusing on things that I really didn't understand. And I kind of moved along and got to some really key interesting areas and actually discovered some things as I'm reading that I didn't notice before. Not that it's any, you know, crazy, anything crazy or revelatory, just things that I've missed. And I think many of us going through our Bible, that's that's where most of us are. I think sometimes looking for that deep revelation, so to speak, you miss the simple things that you glossed over. And that's what's happening to me now. So anyway, the book of Exodus chapter 25. Let's get into this. All right. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. That phrase right there made me think back to Cain and Abel and the offering that was accepted and offering that was rejected. It's often focused on, and one of the things that's often brought up as well, one was an animal sacrifice, which was acceptable, and one was was an offering of the, the fruit of the ground, which wasn't acceptable. I'm not sure that that was the case. I, I think the bigger issue was the fact that one offering wasn't an offering that was true and from the heart. And I think that's why it wasn't accepted, in my opinion. And I think there's many things in the Bible that can kind of lend to that that concept, that idea. And I think what is said in this verse in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, actually lends to that. God is saying, yo, speak to the children. I want them to bring me an offering 
and everyone that is is that giveth it with a willing uh willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering so to contrast that if i had to guess that would mean that the person that wasn't really given willingly nah not their offering will not be accepted verse 3 and this is the offering which ye shall take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and rams uh ram skins dyed red now i'm not sure what the significance of that ram skin dyed red is again another one of those things that i'm not gonna spend too much time on but i'm gonna come back to because i don't understand Maybe that's just a cultural reference I don't understand. So I'm going to have to do some deeper looking into that. And badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so uh, shall ye make it and they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half, the height thereof. So God is getting really specific with the details on how he wants them to build this place where his presence will dwell among them. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold within and without shalt thou overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about and thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it and put them in four corners thereof and two rings shall be in one side of it and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and thou shalt put staves into the rings by the sides of the ark that the ark may be born with them. Now, there is so much relevance in the the designing of of this place that there's no way for me to cover all of this and there's many great bible teachers out there that have definitely covered this and i advocate you probably go listen to one of those deep thinking scholars because at this point i'm not going to delve too deep into that other than reading and maybe noticing a thing here or there, definitely something I'd like to come back to though. Uh, verse 15, the staves shall be in the inner rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony, which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims 
uh, of gold, of uh, of beaten work, shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Now, cherubims, I will fully admit, this is something that I don't fully understand. And maybe some of you Bible scholars out there have this thing down. But I've always I've always looked at that cherubims with wonder because I don't really understand uh, cherubims. Um, uh, looking up the Hebrew word, it's uh, uh, cherub. And the meaning is you have cherub, cherubim, an angelic being uh, as guardians of Eden, Eden a, uh, as flanking God's throne, as an image from hovering over the Ark of the Covenant, of the covenant as the chariot of Jehovah. So there is some significance to these beings why these specific beings are are referenced and it seems to be uh, when cherubs are 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 referenced if it was simply an angel like like is mentioned anywhere else in a bible why didn't why didn't why wasn't that term just used just angel right so there's a significance to this that I've not really fully wrapped my brain around just yet I, I've been thinking about it I haven't got anything weeded out. And a lot of times when I say that, I have some clue, but I don't really know if my clues are necessarily right. So I'm not going to mention that yet. Uh, but suffice it to say, I think this is significant. Cherubs, cherubims, I think it's very significant when they're mentioned. And I don't fully grasp the significance of that just yet. Uh, verse 19 and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end and the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high covering the mercy seat with their wings and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee and there shall I meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof and a cubit, the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half, the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make thither to a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto unto it a border of an handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about, and thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places 
of the staves to beat to bear the table and thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be born with them and thou shalt make the dishes thereof and spoons thereof and covers thereof and bowls thereof to cover withal of pure gold shalt thou make them and thou shalt set upon the table shewbread before me alway and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold of beaten work shall the candlestick be made his shaft and his branches his bowels his knops and his flowers shall be of the same and six branches shall come out of the side of it three branches of the candlestick out of one side and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side three bowels made like unto almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch and three bowels made like almonds in the other branch with a knop and a flower so in the six branches that come out of the candle uh so in the six branches that come out of the candlestick and the candlestick and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers now i'm going to get to a point as i read all of this uh, again the reason i'm not stopping on every verse and and trying to break down every single thing is one that requires much study like i could probably spend a few months in this chapter alone just breaking down all of this and the typologies and i'm going to explain to you why i'm so sure that there is so many typologies in all of this when i get to the end i'll explain that uh Isaiah verse 36 and there shall be a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick the knops and their branches shall be of the same uh shall be the same all all it shall be one beaten work pure gold and thou shalt make seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against it and the tongs thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold of a talent of pure gold shall uh, shall he make it with all these vessels and the look that thou make and the look that thou make them after their pattern which was showed thee in the mount that's a lot of specific details for something that most would probably see as um how can i say it something that probably most people would think doesn't matter this is this is my big thought out of that chapter no specific things because like i said there's much in there i don't understand much in there that i believe are typologies of other things pointing to other things and this is a chapter that when i actually get down to study it i think i'm gonna take probably a month or two and just look through all of this and try to get some cultural references that i don't understand and some more insight on the typologies that i'm 
100% confident are in this. Now, here's the reason I believe that. What would be the purpose of God going through such detail of how this thing is designed? God doesn't do anything by accident. These things are not an accident. God is not just arbitrarily doing things. God has a plan and a purpose for all of his actions. So when I see something like this and I see such a vivid description, like God is going to very great detail. I'm like, something else is here that I am meant to see, that we are meant to see, that the children of Israel was meant to see, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and, and, the, and the people during the time of Christ were meant to see things that people now are meant to see. These things are not an accident. And that makes me think of all of the things that are in the Bible, as much as you might think there are accounts, there are uh, things that happen. There are people who are mentioned and you might think, Oh, these things are just irrelevant or these are small items. What I'm learning is there's no, there's no small item in the Bible. If it is mentioned, there is a purpose it is mentioned. Now, the purpose might not be something so extra deep that you can't see it right out the gate. And then sometimes there may be some things where you you might go back and forth for a month or two and then realize, oh, this was mentioned because of X, Y, and Z. God is very specific in the things that are mentioned in the Bible, and they are there for a reason. Studying the Bible meditating on the Bible, all of these things are important. I was, I was thinking to myself, I believe it's in the book of Deuteronomy where God instructed the children of Israel about his laws and his statutes. And, and what he was telling them is these things should be ever present on your mind. When you wake up with your kids, you should talk about these things throughout the day. You should talk about these things. When it's time to go to sleep, you should talk about these things and they should be ever on your mind. And I, I was thinking to myself, now, there's several reasons why these things should be on their mind, right? The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my, have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So clearly the Bible helps us to avoid sin. God's word helps us to avoid this, meditating and thinking on his word. But also, I think had this been carried out to the T as it was intended, I don't think people would have missed the relevance, the power, and the reason for the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think had that been carried out how it was supposed to, had the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the high priests, and all of the people from generation to generation had a healthy uh, a dose, so to speak, of the Bible, of God's word, had a healthy dose of discussion and thought. I think that the things that God wanted them to see, they would have saw. Sort of like when the Lord Jesus Christ said on a continual basis, let he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. God wants us to hear. The thing is, are we listening? Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.